From the Finling Toyota Studio, it's Coalfield and Company. All right, here we go on a Wednesday. I expect today to be a winning vote Wednesday, but will we turn out to all be losers out of it? Updates as much as we can on the A's vote because they called a special session late yesterday after we got off the show. And then it was scheduled this morning up in Carson City. And uh, I think they got in, I don't know, 10 minutes work. Then they went to lunch. And they'll be back soon. So we're going to talk to, on the A Stadium stuff, uh, Casey Pratt from ABC7 in the Bay Area. And then also former Assemblyman, who has you know at least a good grip on what the process is, Justin Watkins, in the 4 o'clock hour. Willie Ramirez is here. Damon is running the show. It's Cofield. Busy, busy day, like you heard. And we got Stanley Cup Finals. Game three going down tomorrow. We got NBA Finals game three going down tonight. We'll cut out at 5.30 for a play-by-play of that game. But I do want to go back to the A's for a second. I don't know what's going on with the A's on the field. Maybe they listened to the show. They got inspired by me uh, <laughs> arguing with JBT the other day about why they're playing so many old guys. Like thirty, They have, they have a bevy of 30-something utility guys who can play seven positions but all hit 193. So I got on Jace Peterson – and then the last two days, I think he went 7 of 9. And uh, Ledmus Diaz is lighting it up. The team, they're inspired. They know what's going to happen. The yes vote's coming down pretty soon from the Assembly and the Senate. They're ready for an infusion of energy. Today they won 9-5 in Pittsburgh. Yesterday was 11-2. Willie, a team that, as of a couple days ago, was hitting 219 on the season, just had 32 hits in two games. Go A's! Yeah, it's kind of wild. Uh, they went into today having lost five of their last eight, and what's weird is they were hitting only two twenty five since May 29th, but averaging four runs per game, which is big for them. I mean, that's you know yeah, they're they're, sitting, for the season they're sitting at like three point six. Yeah, so they and they've uh, I don't know how many home runs they hit today, but through those nine games or eight games, they had to hit five home runs. Again, uncharacteristic. They go into their matinee game against Pittsburgh. They're energized. And they yeah, want to come to Vegas. Today they got a pitcher on uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, Contreras for seven runs, a third of an inning. And uh, Oakland wins 9-5. We're going to have to start following this after the yes vote. I'm going to just keep saying it, by the way, because you know what's happening. Um, I, I kind of lost faith today when I saw a couple of things. Um, Man, one of the guys at the Independent tweeted something out, and he's not he doesn't say any names, but it's, hey, hearing in the hallways, and someone was like, quote, I don't know what day it is, which tells me that they might not be real vested in doing the research on this like they need to, and the lunch thing really got me today. It's just like the lunch is more important than over probably $1.7 billion over the next 30 years that we're going to be giving the A's. It's just it's weird, man. It's uh, The whole thing is really weird, but here's the deal. Uh, now it's kind of a – it's a joke in the Bay Area because they're really paying attention to this. You know, Nevada politics is in the shadows, kind of under the radar. No one pays attention. You know, that's why the uh, Raiders deal got done so easily. There really wasn't much scrutiny outside of a couple of shows. Uh, you know, the rest of the media people in the market were like, hey, we get to cover the Raiders. The NFL's good for us. Right? We pushed back on it. Didn't think it was the greatest deal. The, the stadium turns out to be useful. Right? We got in the NFL. But it's the NFL. Right? It's the NFL. 
Uh, but now you've got the spotlight on what the assembly and the legislature does, and there's people around right now watching their YouTube feed. But I, I tried to watch it all morning, and it just said in recess the entire time. So it's uh, it's weird. And now the a- the other part is now the A's got me the last two days. So listen to this one. You ready? I'm sitting down at a uh, you know local gin joint. I'm talking to a book director the other night, and he's like, oh, he's like the A's, the run line against them. I'm just getting killed. We're getting killed. People are beating us all year. So then I'm like, you know, I'm going to get on this. I'm going to get on this. Pirates, one and a half every day. Let's go. Okay, there you go. 11-2. At least it wasn't a one-run game where the Pirates won. Yeah, 11-2, 9-5. So the, I control the, uh, the sports world with my betting. So not so good so far. I'm going to – I think I, I'm next up on Friday. I'm next up to bat. Yeah. With, I'm going to have the official season tally of what you would be up. Oh, oh. yeah. Just to rub it in? Just to rub it in? <laughs> yeah. What you would be up if After you, start, if day, if you started I'm day one. Tomorrow. Day $100 yep. going oh, yeah. against the A's on the run line. Yep, yep. I'm right out of the gates. I'm like, let me jump on this. This Everyone's winning. So basically, I can win too. Nope. you have lost, triggered – Yeah. You, you started the show by saying, well, because of Cofield and company. No, you personally have triggered the Oakland Athletic, the Las Vegas Athletics. Yep. And no one loves losing betting stories more than sports talk radio audiences, so I got off it. Uh, you did a story. There's always a lot of room during these finals, you know, NBA finals, Stanley Cup finals. You're covering the Stanley Cup finals for the Sporting Tribune. I thought your story was uh, pretty damn cool here. If you go up to the Sporting Tribune or go to Willie G. Ramirez, Willie did a big feature because Willie's a – Dapper Don, he dresses up. He's got a lot of suits. I've seen TikTok with your 5,000 jackets. Mm. You did a piece on the Golden Knights yeah. and how they dress for the uh, pregame. Yep. I, uh, Good and you know, impressed. What do you think? Oh, of course. I mean, they're, you know, between them and the, and the Aces, because the Aces do their walk through. They have a special tunnel. They walk up into to their locker room. But the Golden Knights, and, and, they, and they do it, you know, all teams do it. Like Florida does it too. But, I mean – they're not. They don't fit in the readership for the Sporting Tribune, but uh, it was kind of fun because you know it, you had an off day. They had come off of a win, so I wanted to talk to them and just kind of ask what each one did uh, did for their, you know, how they go to their closet, which suit they picked out, how they do it. And a couple of them gave me some funny answers. You know, like Zach Whitecloud, he was like, "I go to the closet and grab the cleanest one." I was like, "What about shoes?" You, you. I mean, the majority of the guys in here are telling me they're with the red bottom Louboutins. He's like, "No, no, no, no." He goes, "I can't even. I, I, I can't justify paying four or five hundred dollars for dress shoes." And I kind of sunk my head. He because he calls me Suit Man. Yeah. Ever since he was in juniors, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I sunk my head. And he kind of looked at me. I was like, "Dang." He kind of just shamed me. I I, I wore a seven hundred dollar Alexander McQueen's last night, and he just shook his head. He goes, "But that's you. That's not me." Yeah. Nick Haig says that he can't get. Yeah, you know, he has to get custom suits. Has Why? to because he's too tall. Can't get off the rack. He could go to a tall man shop, but he just he'd rather just get a mate. Right. So he so he's not an off the rack guy. Uh, uh, Michael Amadio, he was like, "I have a couple for the Stanley Cup. Hopefully that'll 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 do. That'll okay. is that it, enough? By the way, well, in your mind, some." Two? If you're going to be a professional athlete? Yeah. Eh. I knew it. Shaky. Eh. Well, he's like, two suits. I, I mean, literally. It's a long series. Listen, Maybe listen. he was actually telling us, hey, it's going to be a short series. We're going to whoop him. I well, only that's need two what suits. I, yeah, that's what I kind of insinuated right. in the article. Uh, I'm close to 50. Suits and right. sport coats. So, um, so Hague is, how tall, how tall is Hague? 6'4"? 6'5"? S- it might be 6'6". Six, six. Okay. 
But he's a um, good guy. This room is filled with the opposite type fellas. For you, can you get it off the rack? You're not the tallest guy. Oh, can I actually reach off the rack? No, no, no. Oh, oh. No, no. I mean, can you buy most of your suits off the rack? Mine or are you, all off the like rack. Or like me, do you have to go to short and squatty? Mine are all off the rack. It's a special section that they have for me in the I, Yeah, no. <laughs> I I am off the rack, um, but my tailor, he's already mm-hmm, sent yeah. me the three. Do you want to give your tailor a pop on National Tailor Day? It, it is, is National Tailor Day. National Tailor Day. Yeah. How wild is that? I, to be honest with you, I didn't know it till I did the rundown. I looked and I saw National Taylor Day. So I had to add a different tweet from the Sporting Review when I saw that. I was like, what? Oh, I didn't even realize that. But um, I have, yeah, so I go, he's already sent me pictures for the next, the next purchase, which will be just before the Raiders season. Because I told him, I said, dude, I need double-breasted. We got to bring double-breasted toots back. Eichel happened to bring it up to me that he likes double-breasted. He's, he's sort of a traditionalist. He goes, I love double-breasted Why? toots. They look better or they fit better? It's the look. It's the old. I mean, for me, honestly, it's the old school Italian. It's Vegas. Ital- yeah. It's, kind of it's, 70s, it's, 60s yeah, Vegas. Why yeah, not? Yeah. I mean, hey, I, I have one. Oh, forget about it. You know. Yeah. Um, but he sent me some colorful ones, and he's already got them put in the back. Now, here's the thing. When they get new shipments in and they know, they'll he reaches out, and then he'll pull a couple, put them in the back, and then they tailor them to me. Doesn't mean that I have the only one. I certainly can't afford to go get custom suits, but I can get them off the rack and have them tailored to me. Sporting Tribune. God, there's so much going on today. We're going to find out about the yes vote for the A's money in their stadium. We got VGK. We'll get you more updates. Getting you ready for the NBA Finals Game 3. We have massive soccer news. Out of the Miami, oh, I better not say that. Be careful. Later on, I could get my head ripped off. Out of the Miami area. Well, speaking of soccer, we've got really cool matches coming up here in Vegas uh, inside of two weeks. we got two tickets. Uh, DeMond's got them right now. It's a Sunday match, CONCACAF, the finals, Sunday the 18th. Uh, there are games 15th through the 18th. Uh, USA is playing on the 15th. You want to get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com. All the matches are at Allegiant, but right now for CONCACAF, DeMond's got two tickets. Call her 7-364-1100. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Willie G. Ramirez. Or tweet the show at Cofield & Co. or at ESPN Las Vegas. All right, rolling on, getting ready for Stanley Cup. Final game number three with VGK in South Florida. I better say Sunrise or Lauderdale. Willie is very protective of South Florida for some reason. It's very weird. Uh, Steve Levy from ESPN was out here in Vegas, he's now down in Florida. Steve, I saw you tweeting earlier about the heat is 90 in uh, South Florida, a little different than uh, Vegas. Yeah, it's a diff- different kind of heat, right, guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not 100, it's, it's 90. It's totally different, yeah. Um, I could go down this path in one of your tweets about soup and uh, do like 15 minutes on it, but I, what, what was going on with the hot soup today? It's just, it's just, I happen to love hot soup. And so, regardless nice. of how hot it is outside, I, like, I don't drink iced coffee either. Like, I'm just a hot coffee, hot soup oh. kind of guy. No gazpacho for me, you know? So, so great. So great. Uh, first of all, I am, I'm like hot soup lunatic. Um, will you ever yep. return soup if it's not hot enough? Or I try on the front end to go, I'm, please, nuke it beyond belief, like where you wouldn't believe anyone could eat this soup this hot. Please. Yeah, I, I, I have sent some soup back, yeah. and uh, I my thing is I always say dig deep, right? You go down dig deeper yeah, into the pot, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you get the hot get the hotter soup, especially like chowder, 
or yep. chilly. Like, there's nothing worse than lukewarm or cold right oh. in the middle. It screws all day. Oh, it's yeah. the worst. Uh, one more story from my side. I, I'm actually a Northeast guy like you are, a uh, New Jersey, New York guy like you are. I worked at Monmouth Park as a concessions guy, and believe it or not, in July, I worked the soup stand, and we had some <laughs> Steve, we had some hot soup. These guys like hot you soup. Make, they demanded make, it at the time. Did you have any customers? Did you make any oh, tips? Oh, like, yeah. No, the whole, the, the whole job was tips. Oh, they loved it. The, if the soup wasn't hot, I wasn't yeah. getting tipped. But I got tipped. Yep. Let's do it. Yep. Let's do it. Hot soup. Hot soup. There you go. All right, let's set up uh, game number three here. First of all, give me your impression on what you've seen in these first two games, and especially the last game. I mean, it just turned into a, a freaking blowout here. It has all the makings of a sweep. I don't think it's going to be a sweep. Yeah, it has all the makings now. I, I really thought the first game, and, and I might be in the minority on this, uh, I thought the first game was a coin flip. You know, the empty net goal was misleading. Florida gets the late goal in the second, and it's 2-2 going to the third. I thought that could have gone either way. I thought uh, Sergey Bobrovsky played well enough to win that game, and Aiden Hill was a little bit better. Florida had a bunch of posts in that game, too. And then, um, and then it was total domination in game two. Uh, looked like Vegas didn't, uh, Florida didn't even belong on the ice with Vegas. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm surprised a little bit by the style that Florida's playing. I think they're admitting that they, they can't keep up on, on straight talent, uh, with Vegas. And that's why you see after the whistles, all the scrums, um, all the cross checks and the slashes and those kinds of things. Uh, and, you know, Vegas is not buying in. So I just, right. I talked to Petrangelo after the game. I said, what's, you know, what's the biggest key? He said, you know, the discipline, they're not, they're getting punched in the face, they're not punching back, and then they're scoring on the power play. They scored two power play goals in each of the first two games. So I think that's really the difference. And look, you know, we don't want to overreact, right? We're prisoners of the moment. As we get older, our memories aren't that good, so we, we grasp onto the last thing we do remember. And, it, you know, the series feels like it's 3-0, but it's, it's really not. It's just 2-0, and Florida hasn't had a home game yet, so we'll learn a lot more tomorrow night, I think. Yeah, and to that point, Steve Levy with ESPN joining us on Cofield and Company, ESPN Las Vegas. You were in the studio right during the the uh, the the early portions of the playoffs. So, and you saw firsthand, watching, observing. Florida was down three one to Boston, which was unreal this season. So, yep. there. I mean, as good as Vegas has looked. And as good as I keep hearing from people saying, responding to Matthew Kachuk's comments about, you know, let's not forget we've been really good at home. They're like, yeah, well, Vegas has been really good on the road. So was Florida. Florida was really good and dominated the first three rounds on the road. So just because Vegas did doesn't mean they're going to go into that barn. What can they uh, they expect when they go into Sunrise? You know, I I think you look back at the last series even. uh, The Golden Knights were up 3-0 against Dallas and, and couldn't close them out right away. So, you know, I'm sure Paul Maurice, the Florida staff, they're looking at all that stuff. Um, the fact that, you know, Vegas might have taken their foot off the pedal up 3-0. You lose game four, you lose game five, and all of a sudden it feels like Dallas had a little momentum going into that game six at home. And, of course, Vegas, you know, was able to, to win that game rather handily. So, you know, look, there's numbers you can look at. There's experience. There's factors on both sides you can look at. Uh, I, I think the standout piece here is the goaltending. I thought if, if Florida had an edge, the biggest edge, I thought it was Bobrovsky in goal, and I, I'm so impressed by Aiden Hill. Uh, you guys obviously know all about him, but you know, nationally I'm still not sure everybody knows. The fifth goalie Vegas has used this season, unrestricted free agent after this season. Guys bounced around the last few years, and, and I think he's in the Smythe Trophy consideration. He yeah. has to be. Uh, for what he has done for for Las Vegas, so 
to, to me, it's, you know, Vegas wants to keep doing exactly what they're doing. They don't want to change anything. And, and for Florida, there's no miracle here. There's nobody coming to the Panthers' rescue. If he was good enough to be in the lineup, he'd already be in the lineup. So they're not going to add anybody there. Uh, they just need their top-end players to play a little better. And you could, you could start with that. You could chuck right there. Once again, speaking with Steve Levy from ESPN, joining us here at Cofield & Company, ESPN Las Vegas. Speaking of the Smythe, I was a little baffled before this uh, this series started because Vegas was favored to win it, but the two favorites to win the Smythe were Barbashev, or excuse me, um, Bobrovsky and Kachuk. And then it was the Golden Knights fell in line. Now, after two games, it's Marchessault and Aiden Hill. Marchessault has been playing out of his mind. Yeah, 12 goals in 12 games, and that's after a really slow start, uh, not having any goals in the first seven. I think where the NHL gets this right, and the other leagues don't do it, uh, is the Consumite Trophy is, as you guys know, is for the playoff. It's all four rounds. Most valuable player, the best player in all four rounds. You know, in the NBA, they give an MVP of the finals, right? There's a Super Bowl MVP, World Series MVP. But hockey likes to be different, and they do it on all four rounds. And so you could, you know, that's, that's how you got Bobrovsky and Kachuk because of their play in the first three rounds. And Vegas is much more of, I think, of a team with the depth, rolling four lines, you know, game winning goal from White Cloud, so all six defensemen chip in. I think they're just so much deeper, but maybe not a standout singular guy. Now, all of a sudden, with two games in, and guys have started to stood out to stand out. And uh, and Marcia so is certainly the big example of the twelve goals in the last twelve games. Hill, Eichel, uh, no question. But team depth is a big piece here. And uh, again, so impressed with what Vegas does. I'm a I'm a huge fan of, of Bruce Cassidy. Must have been really tough for Butch to you know force that of Boston and then see the Bruins have the best regular season in history and and now he's close to getting the last laugh here two wins away. Why do you think uh, Butchie, as uh, you know, the, the people close to him call him, why do you think Cassidy is such a good coach? Why has this worked? I, I don't know. I, I don't have the answer. I think, you know, everybody looks at the same tape and the X's and O's. And in hockey, there's just so many things you can do. Do you want to send an extra four-checker in? Do you want to play, uh, have the forward playing up high? Uh, where are you putting your player in the bumper position on the power play? Like, there are only a handful of things you can really do technically, X's and O's. So I, I think it's about people. I think it's about how you motivate. And um, you know, I, th- I think Bruce Cassidy wore out some of the, well, not just the veterans, but the younger players in Boston. And, you know, after a while, you just need to hear a new voice. And, and you hear a new voice now in Vegas. And, by the way, you know, Vegas coach last year, Pete DeBoer, <laughs> he had a pretty great season in his first year in Dallas, too. So I, I think some of that is the players, you know, like, like kids in school, right? After a long year, you tune out your teachers a little bit, your professors or whatever grade you're in, teachers. And I think that happens in pro sports, too. And so normally you get a, a little burst, a boost from a coaching change. And, uh, and Cassidy's really had a, a nice impact, a nice effect on these Vegas Golden Knights. Now listen, let's check back in five years from now. Right. And we'll, and we'll, you know, we'll see if they're still listening to that same voice. But uh, for right now, uh, both head coaches in this, in this series have done a great job. I'm a Paul Maurice fan, too. Guy's been behind the bench 25 years as a head coach in the NHL. Still hasn't gotten his, his kick at the cup or can or whatever you want to call it. And I'm um, kind of rooting for him personally in this kind of case, too. 
after all these years, and uh, he's up against it now, down two games to none. Yeah, to the point about Cassidy and you know communicating and, and working with certain players, there were some people who thought, hey, Jack Eichel coming to town, maybe this mix isn't going to work, but I mean, whatever both of them have done has worked here. Did you have any doubt that Eichel could come here and you know become a, a top, he already was a top-notch player, but kind of take it to the next level and be a, you know a full ice player, a consistent player every game? Yeah, that, that's a fair question. I didn't know. You know, he came in with such uh, high regard, number two pick overall behind, you know, just Connor McDavid, who is, you know, all-worldly. Uh, I expected more from Eichel earlier. And listen, the Buffalo situation he was in was a mess. I mean, top to bottom, coaching changes, issues in the room, lack of talent. Um, they gave him the captain's see way too early, all that kind of stuff. And... Um, that was a that was a really bad situation. So I I, I never knew. I, I didn't know what kind of player he was going to become. Was he going to become an upper echelon, outstanding scorer? And and quite frankly, I, I think I expected more points out of him, uh, but maybe not. Did not expect him to be so good in all three zones. So he, he's kind of uh, surprised me in a couple of areas. We went in there in March. I think you know he was he's Vegas' leading scorer. I think he was like 75th in the league, right? So Vegas has a great team. They're the top seed in the West, and their leading scorer is like 75th in the league in scoring. So, again, that just gets back to the depth. You know, you think Eichel is a 100-point guy, and maybe he's just going to be a 70-point guy, but can he give you all three zones? Can he do everything? Can he match up against the other team's top player? He's gotten physical, too. He's gotten dirty. He's gotten gritty in the series, too. Yeah. I like to see that. He's really... Looks like he really become a complete player. People forget he you know, played 500 regular season games without ever playing in a playoff game. So this is his first postseason action, and it's it's an entirely different game. It's a separate season, and I think we've seen Eichel grow as as the rounds have gone deeper. Steve Levy's with us. Let's wrap on this. So, so we got moles all over town. We've both been here, you know, 25 plus years. We hear that Steve Levy is a Vegas guy. Like you like. Las Vegas. Do you have a spot or two where you're like, hey, man, that's, that's my spot to kind of, you know, I'm ready to rumble? I, I really love the town. Yeah. I'm a, a massive fan of the whole place, and I'm one of those guys who can go for a week. Now, listen, I'm not in the oh, club till four in the morning. That's All not right. my thing, All you know? Right. But I, I, I can go to bed at one or two. I can sit a carrot top, a personal friend of mine. He's in my cell phone. I'm very proud of that. Oh, is that right? And, that's uh, right. I like. Yeah. The show's great, and I, I like to bounce around. I just do. And uh, I love everything about Vegas, and uh, I lose respect for people who don't like it. There's, exactly. There's nothing not to like to like about the city. and if, You know, gambling's not your thing. There's, there's plenty of other things you can do and not gamble a single dollar and still have a great time. So <laughs> uh, the bosses at ESPN know. Any, any events yeah. at ESPN, i got my hand <laughs> to the air. I'm your guy. I'm glad to hear you're friends with uh, C-Top. Last time he came on with us, we were, li- you know, yeah. we're doing live radio, and he he cursed, I think, like seventeen times. Our dump, our dump machine just exploded. So, and he's not only he's not, seventeen. Yeah, huh? he's, did he, he take his shirt off or not? Uh, you know, it's funny because I also have a I have a connection to uh, Scott. Um, the last time I went to a show, he was nice enough to invite me and my girlfriend's a connection up to his dressing room. I walk in, he's shirtless, and I, I like I blurt it out. I'm like, what the well, like what's going on here? I didn't know it's like a freaking yeah. pose off. I'm a dumpy fat guy, and he's sitting there flexing, you know, throwing down a couple shots before the show. He's a unique guy. Let's just say that, real unique. Yeah, I, and he's ripped. He's cut. Oh, yeah, he's still. puts in the work. Yep. Take that shirt off. Yep. yep. <laughs> All right, now listen, Steve. Today is. 
I don't know if you know this. Today is National Taylor's Day, and I ha- coincidentally happened to do an off-day feature on the Golden Knights and their suits of choice when they walk up. So don't forget to relay the story that I told you about you and Barry Melrose and me and Arash Markazi right. up. I, I can't right. wait to what hear the it? feedback. Okay. I did. Oh, you don't know that story. Okay. Uh-huh. So, so Arash, the first year of Stanley Cup, he, yeah. he he we had just gotten close. We yeah. went to see my uncle's show. We went to Piero's for dinner. We, the whole thing. Oh, right? Anka, yep. Yep. So he says to me, "I want you to meet Barry Melrose. I got you. I got to introduce oh, nice. you to Barry Melrose with one of your suits on." Coincidentally, we get up to the top floor to the press row, and who comes walking by as we get up there by the by the cooler? Steve Levy and Barry Melrose. And Steve looks at Barry and goes, now that's a suit. How come you don't have a suit like that? And Barry goes, I do have a suit like that. What are you talking about? Let's go. And they go. And he starts off to the – and Ross goes, I think he was really mad. (laughs) That is funny. Barry's, Barry's got a closet of those kind of suits. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, oh, Willie, yeah. You're, you're a well-dressed man. You are. <laughs> I appreciate sure. it. Steve, we appreciate the time. Real big fans, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Enjoy the rest of the series. Okay. Thanks for having me on, guys. See you soon. There he is, Steve Levy. By the way, I just like I guarantee we're going to talk to him soon. He may We may not talk to him for five years. I don't know. You know. Should we have just booked him right then? All right, Steve, we'll call you on Friday. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of hoping there's a game five, so we'll be back out here, oh, I didn't, and we can take him to one of our spots. I don't know he's buddies with Carrot Top. Now we got to, we got to mine that connection. Oh, there you go. Everything is intertwined in the city. Everything. It really is. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Rolling on, looking for updates on what's going on with the. Uh, Pretty much guaranteed yes vote on the A Stadium from the Assembly and the Senate. We'll get the um, a lot more into the process of this whole thing and a lot of the numbers with Justin Watkins, our legal insider, but also a former Assemblyman. He'll be up in about ooh, 35 minutes, 25 minutes, and then uh, one of the TV guys from Oakland is going to be joining us here right around the corner. There was a video that emerged today, and you know we, we love basketball on the show, and we're also very critical of – we're very jealous, right – uh, we're very critical of people when we watch them play basketball who are not basketball players. Like, it's one of the favorite things we grade, which is funny because on, on average we're what, like six foot and you know probably 260 pounds. Um, so not really basketball builds. Mm-hmm. But UNLV apparently had Pete Davidson in at Mendenhall the other day. He played pickup. They put together a reel. Damon, I'll let you go first. What do you think? Not bad. You know, I always like want to see a tall celebrity. Yeah. Uh, can he play basketball? You see a tall celebrity? I'm not bad. They did do the clip of it looked like he was going up for a dunk, but then it immediately it goes to away. Another clip. I, the one thing that so, stood out um, was like, okay. did, he, did he fail on the slam? I thought that, but I didn't realize he was that tall. I never realized he was that like. I've never looked up how tall he is. I assume six two. Yeah, he's like six two, six three. Okay, he looks tall. He looks. That's like I a mean, part of his whole thing, you know. The ladies love him. Yeah. yeah, he's all gangly, uh, dropping the hammer well, on the table yeah, to impress yeah, the ladies. Yeah, gangly, but I don't. Yeah. <laughs> One of those, Just flop it out, right? He's got. He's got I me. Mean, he's got to right. I mean, the, the lineup that he's had, impressive. But on the floor, good footwork. Um, Actually kind of fluid. Yeah. I mean, he looked like he slept in one of the washes overnight. He he looked beat to hell. But yeah. he was pretty fluid. He took a jumper. He's lefty. He took a deep jumper, swish. Uh, a couple times he had to kind of like move, you know, footwork in the air. He looked pretty good. He could get an NIL deal. <laughs> I think he's, he's got, got enough a, deals. Has he got eligibility, an NIL deal? He, as we've talked about, I have not seen the entire movie, but I saw enough to get a good read. And I've seen real basketball from Jack Harlow. 
white man can't jump. Um, he's better than Harlow. Harlow, I think, has a double in the movie because when Harlow, we've talked about this a lot on the show, when Harlow has played in NBA celeb games, his jumper is basically shot somewhere around where Pete Davidson's, whatever. He shoots real low. He shoots, he shoots real low. I mean, it is from the stomach. You can't, come on, you can't shoot like that. So very judgmental, and like I said, Willie Willie doesn't weigh two sixty. But you know, I was I was taking shots at the rest of the staff. You no, know, what, I, you know I, I can't. You know I, I can't. You know I, why Candy's good on the staff because he's rail thin, because he's like six two and like one fifty three. So he brings down the average of all the big fellas. That's not why I crinkled up my face. Oh, I crinkled my face before you even made the two sixty comment. I crinkled my face at the average height six. I'm five seven. So I'm not even close to. Well, six I just foot. told you, Candy's like six two. No, Adam, I know. Adam I'm is whatever saying, nonsense he says, six three and three quarters. Yeah, I. I mean, the problem is, trust me, I don't. Uh, Demond's in, and Demond's not the tallest guy, but he is like not like Ari brings you know a six foot presence to the show. Yeah, Von Tobel is actually a little bigger than you think, both ways. He's barrel chested. Yeah, but he's he's actually a lot taller than you. Yeah. Think. I'll tell you who's taller. We just go to. We should just go to break. Who's taller than I thought? I saw JVT shake hands with uh, Danny, Dangerous Danny. And yeah. Dan, I worked with Danny a lot, but I, I don't I don't really notice heights. I don't care. But I was like, God dang, Danny's kind of big. Yep, today's the day. I just want to get this over with. Uh, you know, over the weeks, um, I think I had a mini aneurysm about two weeks ago, getting all worked up over the A's and the process here. Uh, Adam Hill may have had a stroke. I don't know. He he fl- he flipped out uh, one day. So I I really don't want to talk about this anymore. But the special session is going on, and I'm watching. What the folks in California are watching, and yeah, it's embarrassing. I, I admit it. Uh, guys, cover the nuts and bolts from the Oakland side of things. Has done an unreal job on Twitter, and also what he's put up on YouTube is Casey Pratt from ABC Seven in the Bay Area. How are you, my friend? I'm busy, just like you. It's crazy. It is What's going on out there. It's so crazy. I saw that you just went on in Portland. Uh, what was that conversation like? <laughs> A lot of it is just what's going on with the A's, what's going on with the Oakland there, what's going on in Las Vegas, same stuff. You yeah. know, I, I think Portland could be a viable expansion market, but yeah. if it was up to me, I would say Las Vegas is my top choice for expansion. I went on in Portland about eight days ago. I have a buddy who works on one of the stations, and I go on, and the first question was, hey, what's the vibe in Vegas? And I told him, well, there, there's a lot of dissension. There's a, you know, People are going up on the website. They're against it. Other folks don't really know all the information, and and I do that for like two minutes. I'm just trying to give you a good feel, and then uh, one of the guys is like, "Wow, we're, we really want a baseball team here." It sounds like you guys don't want one. It's like I, I I don't know if we do. I don't know what the public wants, but the whole process on both sides, from your side and our side, has been so weird, and it culminates today. C- give us your take on what this has been like down the stretch. June 5th cutoff. We get done yesterday. It's like all right, now it's out of the woods. Now we. Probably going to have a special session at some point. And then last night, they're like, all right, they're coming back. And then delay, delay, delay today. Yeah. You know, what's funny is, is you're, you haven't even gotten the baseball team yet, and you already have the buyer's remorse. And it's, it's the same <laughs> thing that we get hit with. We get hit with it all the time. Oh, you guys in Oakland must hate baseball. That's why it's going to Vegas. It's like, no. Nope. Like, nope. It's just like, this is how Major League Baseball has turned off people in two different media markets on Major League Baseball. How could you possibly sell your own product more poorly? Um, Out there, though, you know, it's interesting because the session ended, everyone took a sigh of relief, uh, probably in both markets, and I thought that, you know, maybe they would get their ducks in a row, maybe look a little more organized, 
uh, maybe, you know, make the deal a little better, more popular, because I, I saw 71% of people were against it up until June 5th. And no, instead, they just rammed it right through this morning. And I think a lot of that is because of Governor Lombardo's decision-making, not, not the, you know, the legislators as a whole. I think that Lombardo probably saw what happened and, you know, said, all right, I got to appease the the lobbyists and the donors, and I got to get this thing out there. And if the Democrats vote it down, then, you know, we can just point at them and say, that's it, blame them. They messed it up. Uh, in reality, they shouldn't have brought it so soon. They should have ironed out some details and then brought the special session with a little more organization. Oh, my God. We have so many details we haven't talked about, and it's not going to get talked about, you know, shoehorned this quickly. I know you were commenting on just just the, the process, and I, I know this happens in most states, but the process is kind of crazy with a special session. We're all ready this morning to watch these things. Then there's a lunch break, and I, I know you pointed out earlier, like, wait, the Senate and the Assembly are doing it at the same time? Like, how the hell are we supposed to track this? It was hard to follow, but it was easy to follow at the same time because nobody was doing anything. Yeah. And I think that <laughs> what you were seeing is the governor said, 10 a.m., you're going to talk about this. And all the other lawmakers were like, like hell we are. We just talked about things for 120 days, man. We're done. Um, and so I think they were just proving a point. Uh, they were saying, all right, you want us to be here at 10? We'll be here at 10, and then we'll take a four-hour break. So, yeah. It's been uh, slow to move. Casey Pratt is covering the uh, A's from the Oakland side of things. It's still their team. I want to get into some of the issues in Oakland and some of the latest updates here in a second, but I saw you went on uh, the game in the Bay Area, and I thought you said something really interesting. I think I have this correct. You were saying that Fisher really, the owner, John Fisher, really needs this deal in Vegas to get done, right? Yeah, I think he desperately needs this deal in Vegas to get done because if you look at his track record as an owner in the last few years, I, he, this is a guy that inherited the Gap. Uh, the Gap stocks have plummeted. Um, you know, he wasn't paying rent during the pandemic at Gap stores or the Oakland Coliseum. Uh, he slashed his roster all the way down to the lowest in baseball amidst trying to close the most important deal in his franchise history. And that's made things a lot harder for him because why does anybody want the worst team in baseball? Nobody does. So um, add that to, you know, they took away the minor league players' food stipends. <laughs> Every Jesus. move they've made screams uh, running out of resources and fast. So if you look at all of it together, it, it's not a good look, and I think that's why they need to get to this deal so quickly. Uh, out here they're talking about building 50-plus acres. Out there it's just nine now, and they're okay with that all of a sudden. It, it seems like there's an air of desperation here. I, and I think back to both yours and Steve's point about buyer's remorse, does Vegas even want be- – I don't think it's a matter of Vegas wanting baseball or not. It's a matter of Vegas not wanting the A's. This team has – I mean, it's proven time and time again in the in, during this whole turmoil the past couple of years that it's just self-sabotaging, or at least it looks like that. Why would they want a franchise? Why would anybody want that franchise, not baseball? Yeah, I mean, it's really just – well, if you look at the bill out there, it just says Major League Baseball. It doesn't even say the A's. So if they get lucky, maybe they get the deal and flip it to a new owner, or maybe they can find a way to sell the rights to the A's, let Oakland owners build the A's, and then make that money go towards the stadium and have Vegas be the expansion. I think that would be a good option, too. But at this point in time, um, you know, the A's are a historic franchise under previous owners, obviously. Uh, They won, you know, four world championships out here. And they're one of the most winningest teams in baseball over the last 20-some-odd years. It's just 
they've never actually had any investment since John Fisher took over. So while they've been able to develop and create really, really talented players, they've never supplemented those players with star power or any help. And so they always fail to get over the hump, and then when they don't get over the hump, they tear the whole roster down for parts and start all over again. And so uh, if you're not really willing to invest in your own Major League Baseball team, don't buy a team! Yep. <laughs> well, it's a rich person sport. And I want to go back to what you said about um, you know the gap and Fisher maybe not as rich as we think he is. And we've seen the, the numbers. He's worth $2.1 billion. His mom's worth two point. Three billion. What worries me, and I was always worried about this. I was worried about a commitment period, but what happens? And I think they're going to get this done today. He's going to get the yes vote. Uh, they're going to start breaking ground for a stadium when they get here. Is he going to have any money to improve this team, or is it? Hey, we just have to wait until the stadium is here four years from now. My concern for the Las Vegas market would be they get to yes based on all this, you know, false promise type stuff. I mean, you saw the renderings. They weren't even realistic. Um, They're trying to sell you guys something that I don't know that they intend to deliver on. Uh, Maybe they get the stadium built. Maybe they sell before it's ever built. I don't know. But once you give the guys everything they ask for, what incentive do they have now to actually deliver? If they're not the ones backstopping this deal, and it can be up to the taxpayers if this thing falls short of revenue estimates, then... If it's not their money on the line, what reason do they have to change their ways? And the reason I thought they could change their ways in Oakland is because this team has always been run like a business, but the ballpark in Oakland would have been about $500 million cheaper because it doesn't need a roof, and they were also building 3,000 housing units and commercial real estate and all these other things that would have been revenue streams back into the team. In Las Vegas, you're not getting any of that. You're getting a nine-acre stadium that... They're not going to own. The public's going to own it. And it's on land that they're not going to own. So where are the additional revenue streams coming from now that are supposed to fix the money spent on the roster? And that's my biggest concern for Las Vegas baseball. Who knows? Maybe they'll open up the purse strings a little bit. But I've never seen them do it. It's never happened since yep. he bought the team. So why start now? Casey Pratt, ABC7 is up with Willie and Cofield here on ESPN Las Vegas. That, and that's also why I still believe they're looking at other sites because – the Wild Wild West site that was owned, or is owned, by Red Rock with the whole ballpark village, that was a brilliant deal for them. That was a great deal, and that's why the Rio site or the uh, uh, LV Festival Grounds or even the, the Wet and Wild site, I might be naming a bunch of sites that you don't know about. it. You've done a lot of research on this. That's why I still think bigger sites are still in play because I just the small the nine-acre thing just doesn't make a whole lot of sense from a, a revenue stream moving forward. Yeah, exactly. You listen to every comment they made when they chose the Wild Wild West site. It was, residents want something that's easy to get in and out of, uh, you know, available parking, you know, and then they had land to develop. Everything they said was important to them, mm-hmm. they instantly turned their back on for the Tropicana site, which right. is why I don't think they really like the Tropicana site. I think it's just the site they're currently stuck with, and they can't really do anything about it because they've got to get a bill passed. They can't move on to a third site before the bill gets passed and look like complete morons. So uh, <laughs> I-, I would say... You know, I was looking at this pretty closely, and I, I have a lot of sources that tell me a lot of things. And when I turned from saying I'm favoring Oakland in this deal to Vegas, it's when I started really looking at things I was hearing about the Rio site. Mm-hmm. And I thought the Rio site is the site. That's where they're going to build this ballpark, and that is why I think now the A's are going to end up in Las Vegas. When they announced the Wild Wild West site, I was actually surprised, frankly, because I, I was so certain the Rio site was going to be the site. And I do also think the Festival Ground site checks even more boxes than all the other sites. So 
I, knew, I was even told shortly after they chose the Tropicana site, they were still touring other sites, which angered a lot of people. Um, but that's what my sources told me. So the uh, I don't know. I, I, my gut tells me it, the Trop isn't it for Vegas, but um, it could be the quickest, easiest, cheapest version of baseball in Vegas, and that might be why they like it. They might be willing to go with it. Did you sit down with the mayor of Oakland, and what came out of that conversation about uh, you know further efforts to keep either the A's there or get baseball there? Yeah, yesterday I was in the uh, mayor's office in City Hall, and we sat at her desk, and I talked to her for you know about twenty minutes, and she asked answered every question I asked, and I think the main thing that came from her is she really, really, truly felt that the deal out here was very close. Um, she feels that if A's ownership was to come back to the table in Oakland and she would pick up the phone and work with them. Um, and what was interesting to me is I had heard that she was told that she was not allowed to call or reach out to MLB Commissioner Rob Manford, and she told me that was absolutely true. The A's asked her not to talk to the MLB Commissioner. And I think that's kind of funny because when you listen to the Commissioner talk now, it, he seems to not understand that what the deal was in Oakland. <laughs> I don't know who he's getting his information from at this point. Certainly not me or the mayor's office, but uh, there's just a lot of weird going on with that whole deal. And uh, I don't know. I think if they sign this deal in Vegas, I don't see Major League Baseball coming back here ever. Um, but I think if this deal flops, uh, there is something on the table that another ownership group could probably pounce on and get done really quickly. I'm going to throw you another angle to close. This is something we got into yesterday with uh, Liv, I believe, basically purchasing the PGA. And I was asking the whole crew here, what's going to be the first major sport where the commish and the owners are like, you know what, we'll let the Saudis buy into the sport. Could you see John Fisher getting an offer of like, hey, just something exorbitant, $1.5 billion for the A's and Manfred and Fisher and the rest of the owners going with it and going, eh, you know, let the Saudis buy the A's. <laughs> I don't right. know if it would be the I don't. I don't know. The Saudis seem to be really interested in sports right I now know. for some reason. I know. Uh, I mean, if you, if you watch WWE, they're out there in Saudi Arabia putting on shows all the time now. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I guess. My, I, I guess my point. That, I guess my point, Casey, is: Will there be any effort? You just said there. If they leave, the baseball is not going to be interested in going back. If 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 this by for some in some way fell through today or tomorrow, whenever this gets done here in Vegas and Nevada. And then Fisher is like, you know what, I do have to sell. I just wonder if there's going to be any effort and a push from baseball, like sell to local ownership in the Bay Area that's committed to keeping them there, or is even that hope out the window? No, I don't think that hope's out the window because I can think of several ownership groups out here that would buy the team. I mean, there's only 30 Major League Baseball teams, and if one hits the market, a lot of people are going to try to buy it. Um, Warriors owner Joe Lacob is a great example of a guy who's been on the record saying he got a standing offer to buy the A's, and he bought the Warriors when they were one of the worst basketball teams out there, <laughs> like historically bad, and turned them into one of the biggest basketball dynasties ever and built them a brand-new arena, and now they're very, very profitable. He bought the team for around $400 million. They're probably worth about $5 billion now. So he knows how to take a, a team in the dumps and turn it into a winner. I think everybody out here would be hoping for someone like that to buy the A's. Um, but you can't buy what's not for sale, guys. Yeah. And every single person I've talked to that has interest in buying this team has said the exact same thing. They're just not for sale. Well, I'll tell you, this show's rooting for you because uh, we're fine waiting. And if there's an expansion team down the road, but you guys keep the A's. And it's not to be, I'm not being nasty about it, but I'd, I'm not comfortable stealing a team and from another market, especially with this deal. So, hey, your coverage has been great. Everyone out there. Follow Casey up on Twitter. Where can they follow you, Casey? 
uh, at Casey Pride ABC7, or just go check me out on YouTube. I post videos all the time, including my sit down with the mayor. And, you know, right back at you guys, I've really, I, I've been a very strong proponent of baseball in Vegas. I think baseball in Vegas would be awesome. I just don't think this is the deal you want. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I'm not coming on as a hater of Las Vegas. I have much love for you guys. I really want to see you get baseball. And I think it would be cool if they could somehow sell the rights to the A's to an owner in the Bay Area then take that money and use it to, to get that expansion done in Las Vegas. I think that would be a real win-win. Casey, great spot. Thank you. I know you're busy. We'll see you. Um, yeah, have a good one, guys. There he is. Let him get back to watching our proceedings. We're not going to have a chance here to watch for two hours. I'm kind of – I feel blessed on that front. I'll watch it afterwards. So, But I like that. I like the, vi- I like the vibe that's come out of this. I haven't seen too much uh, Oakland hatred towards the people in Vegas or the sports community or the media, and that's not the way it should be. You know, We're all looking up at Major League Baseball and John Fisher and going – what the hell are you guys doing?